Welcome back to Legally Judging. I'm Alexa. And I'm Nicole. So excited about this episode. Cannot wait. I wish you guys could see my face. I'm like beaming right now with joy and excitement. Unlike the GameStop yeah, that episode. Was, I, was, I was dead in the eyes then. <laughs> Truly. But today, what are we so talking much about? Fun. We're talking about Selena. So, the producer of the original Selena movie is suing her family as well as Netflix for making the Selena TV series. The disrespect. And I just want to acknowledge, like, I'm not Christopher Columbus. I know that Alexa's, you know, Mexican, so, like, I'm not trying to steal this moment from her. So, I just want to make sure we're still friends before we keep going. You know what? If we're not going to be friends, it's not going to be over this. Okay. Yeah, we've, we've got plenty other, of other reasons. Okay, we've got you've got grievances. I'm gonna talk to you after the episode, actually. Fine. There's some things that I need to get off my I'll chest. Send it to my therapist. Uh, okay, great. Well, how are you doing before we dive into Selena Quintanilla? I'm doing really good, I think, because I'm very excited about this episode. Okay. And for once, you didn't steer me wrong in terms of what to watch. What did you watch this time? I watched The Wilds. So good. On Prime Video. Yep. Um. It was terrifying, but thrilling Mm -hmm. because, right, these young girls are told that they're going to go off to this wonderful retreat for self-improvement. So that part kind of sucks. But for the most part, they're supposed to be like (laughs) on an island. Self-improvement sucks? Yeah, of course. You know, who has time for that? Okay. I just want to drink and enjoy life. I'm just going to apologize to your wife after this episode's over, but go ahead. Okay, fine. You can apologize to her while I air out my grievances about our friendship. Uh, So anyway, speaking of self-improvement. They're supposed to be doing that. Instead, the plane crashes, and they're stranded there. And I was, like, terrified. What would I do if that were me? And I feel like the person I felt for the most was Fenton, right? The girl who was, like, super rich rich and didn't help at all. Yeah. Because she didn't know how to. Don't give it all away. I want people to go watch. I know, but I'm just saying that she, I think, that's my girl. Like, that, that would be me. Okay. I would just, I would watch everybody try to help me live. Yeah. And every now and then, I might say thanks. Yeah. But that's the way that I would like to try to survive on an island. She was a little annoying for me. Um, Is that any different than me, myself, and I? No, no. I mean, that's why we need our distance when we're not recording. Yeah. Look, I would try. I would say, good job, guys. Get the firewood. You would just sit on the outside with a drink. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't think they had drinks. I just want to... No, they didn't have drinks. They had <laughs> seawater. ocean water, right? <laughs> Lovely ocean water. <laughs> I drink that. Uh, yeah, no, I, don't, I just don't know if I'd be helpful otherwise. That's okay. all I'm saying. I think I'm more like the pretty one. Annoying. You know? uh, completely annoying. Okay. Um, but anyway, so how, how's your week been? I mean, I've been annoying in my own regard. Oh, so yeah? I Shocking. Have, wow, rude. I've broken a few glasses around my house this week. What? All accidentally. Uh-huh. I just, I feel like I have no awareness of like my body and it's moving in space. <laughs> what? And so like one morning I sat down on the couch <laughs> this um, week to, you know, just like give my husband a hug and like ask how his morning Sounds was going. Sweet. It was really, it was going to turn out, to, it was supposed to turn out and be a cute moment. Uh-huh. On the way down to the couch, I like kicked his glass over and it shattered across the family room in like a, a trillion pieces and all of his water was spilled <laughs> everywhere. How do you walk? <laughs> are you like, mar- are you kicking? Are we, is it like a show, show line? What do you do? I just don't know I think I was practicing my Selena moves but so the the cute moment never happened Uh I quickly walked away to go get a towel and clean up my mess and I was like I'm just gonna leave this here for the day day. (laughs) you're actually kind of giving I'm like wondering if maybe like subliminally you're practicing for your big housewives debut and smashing glasses and being dramatic and like that's the way you enter rooms well this it might make sense why I'm not a a singer as I wanted to be we can come back to that um And yeah. I just live vicariously through Selena because she's far, she was far more graceful than I will ever be. A little bit. Just yeah, a little. just a little bit. Uh, so speaking of Selena, yeah, I feel like before we really get into what we want to talk about, we got to give the backstory. For sure. Everyone loves a good backstory. Mm-hmm. 
So she's Mexican American. Mm-hmm. Shout just out. like you. Just like me. But she was born in Texas, which is also fine. I just was born in California. So we have just a few things not in common. <laughs> a few. <laughs> um, her father, Abraham, how we're going to refer to him lovingly as Abe, uh, was a musician back in his day. And he taught his kids everything he knew and started the family band Selena y los Tinos. And it comprised Selena at the age of nine years old. So crazy. As lead singer. Yeah. Which is insane. I have I cannot sing to save my life. I don't... At nine, I was like still playing with American Girl dolls. I don't fucking know. American Girl... I was playing with Legos. <laughs> well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's fitting. Uh, her older sister is on the drums, Suzette, right? Which is pretty cool having a female drummer. Super cool, yeah. Um, older brother, AB, on bass. And they were performing their Tejano music anywhere they could. Street corners, quinceaneras weddings even a family restaurant for a period of time it was great yeah i mean i i like i was just saying i really wanted to be a singer when i was a child and so at one point i sat my mom down and i asked her like do you think i could do this you know can you like can you help me get big and she was like she sat there very quietly for a second and was Mm -hmm. like I don't know if this is going to be your thing. Like, I think you're really smart. You've got other things going for you, but I don't know if singing's going to be it. Oh, no. So I say that to say that, you know. That's heartbreaking. I appreciate Abe for seeing the talent in his child because my family did not do the same. That is, you're going to make me cry, Nicole. (laughs) Well, maybe you can sing a little for me later. Maybe I won't air out those grievances. Why don't we just do a little, we'll get the karaoke machine out, get you the mic. Got it. I believe in you. I'm ready. I can be your Abe. Ready for my moment. For once, I'll be supportive. I'll try. First time. Um, so unlike you, they started gaining in popularity. And... <laughs> um, but they did face a fair amount of discrimination for being Mexican. Uh, they're getting booed at some venues. At a wedding, they even had cake thrown at them. Super Can you imagine? Crazy. If I was like the bride at the wedding, I'm like, you fucking animals. Right. Like, maybe she's not great. Fine. She was, you know, still learning. But like throwing cake at somebody's it wedding? It seems dramatic. That's like a lot. Do you want, I guess it'd make a good story, but do you really want your wedding to be plagued with that scene? Also, how often are wedding bands great? Like, yeah. I feel like they're okay at best. Right. And you're, you're going to throw cake at this little girl singing <laughs> on the mic? I mean, I don't know how old she was at the time, but that's just sad. So on top of that... They're also getting criticized and refused bookings because Selena was a girl, a woman. Mm -hmm. And the Tejano music industry was extremely male-dominated, right? No one wanted to listen to this young girl sing. So they were overcoming obstacle after obstacle. Yeah, but clearly they really pushed through. Because, I mean, I know from all of my Selena knowledge that they started, you know, performing at, like, festivals and fairs Mm -hmm. and eventually landed a couple record deals um, that really became, like, the turning point for her life certainly but even like the whole family because obviously as you said like the brother and the sister were in the band and Abe was managing it and so I know like in 1987 when she won the Tejano Music Award uh, for Female Vocalist of the Year that really kind of kicked like the next step of her stardom off Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's also really impressive because you know she didn't actually speak Spanish I don't know that a lot of people know that right um but her father really taught her to speak Spanish just so that she could kind of access that music market and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of expand the audience that they were looking at at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though she, you know, didn't speak Spanish and obviously, you know, like anybody learning the language had some trouble at first, I think people really liked her because she was so charismatic. And I was watching these YouTube clips of like various kind of moments when she was in interviews or speaking and she's speaking in Spanish and she like, you know, blunders a little bit. I think at one point she says like right. DSE Cuatro for 14 and they were like... <laughs> girl are you from here it's like saying 10 and 4 in english (laughs) right right? like if someone was like 13 10 and 4 15 
Look at she's just so adorable. It was she, really cute. She, like, she really it played off. it off well. Right. She like hugs them. And for me, especially being Mexican American myself, it's super relatable because I also don't speak Spanish fluently. I mean, I know enough to be dangerous and to try to like also be cute and squirm my way out of situations where mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe they'll just think I'm adorable and I'm going to speak a little Spanglish, right? But my level of Spanish knowledge goes to like high school I'm classes. sure your charisma is also not quite the same as Selena, so I would imagine okay. there's less appetite to forgive you. Well, there's no need to be so disrespectful about it. But anyway, <laughs> no, I, as much as I would like to believe that I'm just as charismatic as, as Selena, definitely not there. And I have to say that even that, seeing her and how she played with that, it was it's just really inspiring to this day, right? Because the Mexican experience is so varied. You have, I know personally that sometimes I don't feel Mexican enough for certain Mexicans and then I don't feel American enough for certain Americans. And yeah. I feel like the beauty of Selena is that she was able to straddle both lines. Yeah, for sure. And people were ended up being really accepting and embracing her and even I think probably loving her more for it mm-hmm. because you don't have to be so Mexican or American you could just be yeah that's what she did yeah I mean she definitely like sang and charmed her way to the top um it really all paid off obviously see she shortly thereafter became known as the queen of Tejano music um and somehow she like managed to even you know find her a little a little love in the club I love it in the club in the club um (laughs) and she got married to her lead guitarist Chris Perez in 1992 Right. I know. And I don't think Daddy Abe was too thrilled about that, he right? He was not a fan of that. He's a, he likes to control things. That's at least what I think. And I think for him, to his credit, right, he knows that she's a young girl. She's on the edge of success. And for the most part, love interests like this probably aren't going to help you just stay focused on your career. Right. And Chris also had this edge about him, right? He was like this rock rocker guy well selena it was like it it was a little stereotypical in some ways because she's like this super pure like we said charming charismatic you know she grew she really grew up under her dad's like watchful eye because it was just always Mm -hmm. you know the family and the family band so she was always with them was very immature was super sweet and then of course she finds the guy who's got like long hair and ripped jeans and plays the guitar and smokes and so daddy's worst nightmare yeah it wasn't i mean (laughs) i loved seeing it play out in the movie right it's always little fun to have some romantic yeah it is cute but they got through it right because in 93 emi big huge record Mm -hmm. label finally agrees to let selena work on a crossover album Mm -hmm. that had really really let her get into the american pop market because again she's getting all this fame but it's really more in the tejano music market so this was a big opportunity for her to do that crossover. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's I feel like that's when my I got exposure to her for the first time. Oddly, I don't really know how I was in Michigan, so like not, you know, the most <laughs> Texas South, the Tex-Mex region. Doesn't really yeah. make the most sense for my exposure to Selena, but my family loved her, and so my mom's family is Canadian or part of her family is, so we would drive from Michigan to Canada quite often mm-hmm. to go see our family. And so we would, when we were in the tunnel, we would always blast Selena, like, full volume. And it's, like, me, my mom, my aunt, and my two female cousins, like, singing. And my brother, poor kid, is, like, crying on his Game Boy. Like, please make <laughs> it stop. Much. But, yeah. like, I I, I have so many memories with her and her, like, music, you know. And I certainly didn't speak Spanish, so I'm sure I butchered every single word as I sang it. But... It doesn't matter. Selena would appreciate it. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I mean, a little different. I wasn't going to Canada since I grew up in SoCal and stood in SoCal. But same. 
Well, whatever. I mean, so besides even the music of it all, she also became really a fashion icon. And I know people called her the Mexican Madonna. And she, you know, she was inspired by like the likes of Paula Abdul and Janet Jackson and Madonna. And so it was, it's really, it was always inspirational to me that I knew that she was like designing her own outfits. And I'm sure, of course, there were points in time where I'm sure she got like designers to do stuff for her. But for the most part, her and her sister would like draw these super elaborate kind of ideas and then they would all sew and put the outfits together which is pretty fucking cool no she's super creative and even to this day i was reading that people are still looking at her outfits like lady gaga wore a similar bustier that she said was like an homage to selena yeah. so i thought that was really cool so okay she's at the top of her fame right she's just she's about to really cross over and make her fame even bigger accessing the american market she's got the crossover album in the works which will become the dreaming of you album She's getting big sponsorships, Coca-Cola. Uh, she has a small role in a movie called Don Juan DeMarco with yeah. Marlon Brando and Johnny Depp. Great random, yeah, but super good random. for her. She's opening up a few boutiques as a you know nod to her love for fashion. And she's selling out stadiums. Even being nominated at this point for 86 awards, winning 67 of them. And that includes a Grammy, which she won in 94. I mean, it was all really impressive. She was clearly like on a tear. She was moving really quickly. But unfortunately, it all ended, sadly, just as fast as it kind of started in some ways. So literally a year after she won the Grammy, um, she's 23 years old. She was shot and killed by the president of her fan club, whose name I refuse to say. And I will depend on Alexa to do it because she's Voldemort in my mind. (laughs) She who must not be named. Yeah, I can't do it. Yolanda Saldivar. Fucking hater. Hater. I hate this part. I really wish we didn't have to go over this part. I know. Let's just do it really briefly, though, because we've got a lot to get through. So basically, Yolanda, it came out that she had been embezzling like more than $30,000 in forged checks from the fan club and Selena's boutiques. Mm -hmm. Um, And somehow her dad, Abe, kind of knew about this and he had kind of hunted the situation out. And so Selena goes after this concert to confront Yolanda and ask her what's happening. And so Yolanda claims it's an accident and she had a gun. And I'm not really sure what she had the gun for I, well, that's not true she says that she was going to commit suicide later on right, guess, throughout right. the trials and yep. so she's saying that it's an accident she had the gun she waved it and it shot selena and killed her which is super sketch because remember she was a nurse before this very sketchy could have saved her but fine yeah all right insane i mean you have like a whole tra- you did you i don't even know i would actually be curious to know like when they found her did she have like butt all over her clothes like could she have argued right. that she tried to right i feel like that wasn't really I don't think so. I I mean, not to, I don't want to get into it because we don't want to focus on her death, but Selena had to basically go out and seek help. So she left Yolanda where she was and it was the motel staff that found her and she dialed, they dialed 911. Crazy. I mean, well, so we, we, we probably should have known, or there were definitely some people who did know that this lady was going to be a shady character. She was actually really fucking creepy. I figured, found out that at some point she had an apartment that was literally like a tribute to selena she had selena like clothes and posters tribute everywhere nice yeah tribute is okay you're right it was like a shrine, shrine? it yeah. was a creepy shrine it was yeah. like a psycho shrine like obsessive stalker type right fucking crazy like selena everywhere so i guess back in the day because it's maybe before like craigslist when people post pictures of what their houses look like forever i don't know <laughs> some lady is yeah. looking for a house and so yolanda had an extra bedroom that she was willing to rent out to this woman and the woman I guess met Yolanda, felt like things were fine, moves in, realizes that there's a Selena shrine and that this lady's a fucking nut and she moves out days later. <laughs> Imagine moving in and you see this and you're like, no, never she mind. Didn't even, I don't even know if she unpacked her shit. She probably got it and was like, I'm out. I would I would have my suitcase. I'd, well, I don't even know if I'd cross the threshold. I'd see it and I'd be like, mm, nope, yeah, bye. Yeah. So anyway, enough of her. We don't need to focus on her. No. But sadly, after she dies, 
there's a ton of attention on her stardom and estate, right? Yeah. Um, and it sounds like Selena didn't have a will. She was pretty young. It's probably unlikely. And I actually think it was kind of confirmed that she didn't because they had to go to probate. And so a will is, for people who don't know, it's basically a document that, it, you know, uh, kind of decides or sets forth like mm -hmm. who's gonna get what once you pass away and obviously she's got a a ton right she's selena so i'm sure she had properties we know that she had the boutiques yep. she had money Some so music. in in theory she should have had a will that would have said like this is where my money's gonna go and this is who owns my music etc cetera, etc cetera. but to alexa's point she didn't have a will um what we found out was that just two months after selena passed away abe had a harvard trained attorney come harvard. to the harvard and because you have to get the best, of course. Harvard only. He had Harvard, or Harvard attorney come to their house and draft up what was called an estate properties agreement. And so that would basically decide going forward who would own what and what amount of money people would get. And so it was supposed to keep their family's profit share intact. And so mm -hmm. the profit share was just for each song or concert or tour, whatever the case is. I guess they're was some kind of predetermined agreement before Selena passed. Like everybody would be entitled to XYZ percent. Right. And so in this estate properties agreement, it put Abe exclusively in charge of her music, her name, her voice, her signature, her photograph, her likeness, basically really everything that made Selena who she was, was kind of under Abe's control in perpetuity. And I know we've talked about perpetuity before, Nancy, but there you as go a reminder, again. perpetuity there you go means forever. Are you a Harvard lawyer? <laughs> I'm a Harvard lawyer. <laughs> if only. Uh, <laughs> but interestingly enough, right, he needed four other signatures to make this agreement valid. Yeah. Because she was married. Okay, so, so who did he get? He had to get his wife to sign, the two kids, and Chris, her husband. Oh. So wife and kids locked in, right? Who's going to disagree with right. Daddy Abe? Uh, Chris did sign, and he did agree to take 25% share of the profits, which was apparently what Selena was getting. Um, How did she only get 25% of... I know. Profits from her own name, likeness, and music. Because let's right. also just do like a little reminder. At a certain yep. point, she was so big that Suzette and AB weren't in the band with her anymore. And that's because the record labels were like, they dropped them. You need somebody more professional. Like, we love your family. Like, they can be a part of the entourage, but like, you need a professional team. They literally dropped, it was Selena y los Dinos, and now it's just Selena, right? right. And they're like, you don't worry, guys, you can play in the band, just in the background. But the fact that she was then truly the star in the center name, like, how was she only getting 25%? Okay. I know. I It's so suspect, but so all that to say, right, Chris probably could have, if he wanted to, pursued to get more yeah, for sure. because this hypothetical family profit sharing doesn't sound like that was an agreement before she passed. Otherwise, right. why would you even need to get this agreement in place? It's yeah. probably something informal. What I was guessing, pure just conjecture on my part, but... Selena got 25, Suzette got 25, AB got 25, and maybe the parents got 25? Maybe. I have no idea how that makes sense. But. Yeah. I mean, from what I know, at least where I read, it seems like Chris was saying that he was just so sad, which makes sense, right? It's two months after his wife died. You know, they were right. on tour together. They were always, they were like really a duo. And so he was like, I was just so sad. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to fight. And, you know, he didn't have a lawyer because I, I read that on the agreement, like, you know, it says that he signed it and everybody had an attorney signature below their names. Mm -hmm. And on his attorney line, it says none. Right. And so I think, like, it probably goes to his state of mind because you would think you're walking into, like, a really, not a negotiation because it's not, like, the same as a business deal, but ultimately it kind of is because it determines, like, what he's left with from his own work, right? Because he was a lead right. guitarist, but also like his wife's legacy. Right. And so... And he's young at the time. Right. right. But by that point, they'd been married for almost three years. I think their three-year wedding anniversary was about to come up. They okay. were dating before that. 
that's enough time like that's a real marriage right yeah. maybe if it was like a shotgun wedding or something or they got married at like after one month of knowing each other well, especially the way she died too like i think right. you have to add in the fact that she like went to somebody who she was supposed to be able to trust and so nobody had had any like suspicions when she went to go see yolanda that she wouldn't make it out right it's just sad all around and yeah. then in doing our research i even found something else that started to change my opinion of abe a little bit where i was like oh, okay so apparently, Sublina had about five million. She made about five million in '93 and '94, Whoa. and Abe had to provide an inventory of her wealth to the Texas Probate Court in '95 after she died, right? And in looking at their joint assets, so Selena and Chris's assets, they had only about three hundred and twenty-six thousand in the How bank. How is that even possible? I mean, unless she they're just, just sold spending, out the spending, Astrodome. Spending. Right, exactly. So two years later, the IRS sued Abe and his wife for fraudulently underreporting selena's profits by more than a million dollars and inflating her expenses while she was alive so to settle they didn't actually have to provide anything right, right. they just set settled at least publicly white we don't know anything they ended up paying just under six hundred thousand dollars to make it go away uh which is really crazy and then i saw this quote that he made i don't know if it was in relation to this or something else probably something else but he said that basically his family including selena and chris don't understand the music business the way he does and without him the in quotes business would go down to the ground so to me it seems like he feels entitled to a certain amount of profit here. it feels controlling because i think listen obviously abe got them to the point that they ultimately you know surpassed and they, she was a star and she did a, an, a, an incredible amount of things given like her background mm -hmm. but i also think like i'm sure there are managers who could manage at estate because this is a thing that happens in the entertainment industry. Like, he's not the first person totally. who would have been managing, like, a deceased, you know, actress, singer, whatever the case is, a state. So it just, it just always, it just feels, like, a little odd to me. Yeah. I mean, but I think, obviously, there's already, like, a lot of legal stuff happening, right? Mm -hmm. But then after Abe has kind of worked out this family agreement and the profit sharing in 1997, the Selena movie that we all know and love mm -hmm. comes out. It was produced by this rising producer at that point in time. His name is Matasuma Esparza. And so with the help of Selena's family, he does the Selena movie. Mm -hmm. And so the movie ends up grossing $35.5 million in theaters. Crazy really good that's so much money when you think about how much movies make now like that's right. incredible especially because she hadn't really had her her crossover album was in the works but right. it, it wasn't really it was released after she yeah. died yeah so to garner that much money mm -hmm. and success is insane i mean it's one of my favorite movies i literally every time i remember like you know back in the day when i had cable and it would come on vh1 every time mm -hmm. it was on i would stop and watch it and even now, like, if I scroll past it on something, I'm like, mm, I mean, I could take two hours to watch Selena. Right. Like, what right. else am I doing today? It's like an obligation I have to watch. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. Unfortunately, my husband loves it a bit less. Oh, um, no. I think it's very triggering for him because he had to watch it with what? his sister a lot. So he oh. does not like to sit down and watch Selena with me. I'll watch it with you. But Okay, thanks. Understandable. I get it. If you're not in love with a movie, watching it a thousand times probably is not your <laughs> cup of tea. Um, what, you know, what's interesting to me is that Jennifer Lopez, obviously, is plays Selena. She's Puerto Rican, and I think a lot of people would have preferred, different. yeah, would have preferred a Mexican actress. But you know what? I'm gonna say that if we couldn't get a Mexican actress, great choice. She did it. She, oh, she played her it. so well. That was her best role ever. And hard stop. Props for her. She was the first Latin actress to earn over a million dollars for a film. For, for that film, that's impressive. She now makes literally multiples of yeah, that but that, it was a good start that was a cute she was like oh that's so sweet or right, she looks back and she's like oh i love doing pro bono, pro bono work <laughs> right that's horrible and i have to say for me my little childhood experience was like i 
I think I like women, mommy. You're right. Like I saw her and I was like, ooh, pretty. So I'm admiring Selena. Yeah. And you're like I first girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I want to be with. Like, what's her number? I'm like, what, nine years old? Like, okay, let me like hit her up in the DMs, right? Like maybe I have a chance. Sliding in DMs at nine. Well, <laughs> a little different than her, which she was doing at nine, just yeah. becoming a world star. But all right. right. After the movie is made. Um, she continues to gain popularity. She People make podcasts about her and there are books and magazines. And, you know, I think because she sadly died at such a young point in time, but also simultaneously with, like, the rise of Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston, like, she was really in this, like, bubble of young women of color singers kind of coming up really quickly. Mm-hmm. So she continued to, like, gain clout, you know, posh- posthumously. Um, and so this all leads to current time. So in 2020, Netflix made Selena the series – and so the show really focuses on her uh, younger years and her journey to stardom in that way. And so it definitely talks more about like her being so young and her working in the restaurants mm-hmm. and showing her at the weddings like in far more detail than the movie does. And so that was supposed to be how it was different from the film to obviously because you're not going to make a show with the same thing, the exact right. same thing as the movie. Right. Um, and so apparently about 25 million people watched that show, which is really good number. Isn't how it? many years later? People still love this story. Crazy. I mean, I've watched. I'm still making my way through it. Um, but it's it's been interesting. Like, it's nice to see that side of her life because I think we all know the movie so well. Right. Um, but a little side note. Apparently, her widowed husband, Chris, was not consulted for the show. Just a little side note. Just a little tidbit. Um, Drama continues. Because he had some past legal issues with Big Abe. Big Abe. So Abe sued Chris in 2016 over a TV show that Chris was going to make based on a memoir that he wrote called To Selena With Love. And so it's mm-hmm. worth noting that Abe and the entire family actually gave their blessing or at least said okay to Chris making the book. Yeah, they at least didn't the book. You're right. They didn't sue him. <laughs> they didn't sue him. They said he right. could, oh, they were like, okay, you're making a book, cool, boom. But then when he came back to make the show based on mm-hmm. the book, things were a little different. That, that's crossing the line for Abe, I think. A little different. Yeah, so it's interesting. So Chris is trying to get around that estate properties agreement. That gave a basically everything, right? So he's trying to argue that this series falls outside of that agreement. And he's citing his First Amendment right to free speech. Love a good First Amendment agreement. Just means like he wants to tell his side of the story, right? Because everything that at least is sanctioned by the family is, let's be real, it's Abe's perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's also claiming that the agreement itself isn't valid because he signed under duress, which is a legal term that refers to a situation where a person is basically forced, coerced, threatened, right? Some sort of psychological or physical pressure to do something that they wouldn't otherwise do. And we kind of talked about that, though. I mean, he was in a really shitty state. I mean, it was two months after his wife had died. He, mm-hmm. Like we said, he didn't come with a lawyer. So I could see that not being a terrible argument. I mean, it feels like it's been so far past. Like, why bring it up now? But obviously, you know, it's because of the TV series. Right. Um, it but, could be to him just getting older and, and kind of getting fed up with how much control Abe does have. And he wants to tell his side of the story, which I keep seeing in his interviews, right? He's yeah. like, it's not fair that everything and anything has to be through Abe because there was a side of her that he didn't know. Yeah. I was her husband. And that's obviously a very different perspective than a father. Um, and separately, which I think is very interesting, he's requesting an audit um, of all the profits that Abe has received to date to ensure that he's actually gotten his 25%. I can't wait to see what this so, audit turns up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be crazy because uh, Chris tried to get it dismissed 
which just means, you know, say that this lawsuit, like, judge, please say this lawsuit has no merit, mm-hmm. throw it out, right? Because trials are expensive. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, the judge disagreed on, well, unfortunately for Chris, the judge disagreed. And so they're actually going to trial right now, February 2021. So to things are going to come out, right? Gonna We're going to find out a lot, I think. I mean, what we found out, too, during this process is Abe is um, quite a litigious man. That is not the first time that he sued somebody. Mm-hmm. He's super, super protective over her name and legacy. And so to name, like, a, briefly a couple kind of things that, you know, lawsuits that he's brought in, he threatened to sue the mortuary, and he said that they took unauthorized pictures of her. And so they ended up settling out of court, and I guess the mortuary, you know, paid some money, un- not under the table, but an undisclosed <laughs> amount to Abe. Right. Um, immediately after she passed away, it, there are records saying that he sued, like, dozens of merchandisers for trademark infringement. Alexa, want to tell the people what trademark infringement is? I'd love to, Nicole. Thank you. Um, so trademark infringement... It's basically what it sounds like. You're infringing on someone's trademark. So what's a trademark, right? So generally it's words, phrases, logos, designs, symbols used to identify or distinguish someone's goods from another. So think that Nike swish, right? right? Or the Adidas three stripes. Mm-hmm. Those are trademarks. Here, I know that Abe has a trademark over Selena's name in cursive. Right. I don't know if you've noticed that, but a lot of her goods have this very specific type font in that cursive. Yeah. So that's that's probably what's going on here. So sometimes he would actually go outside and like see people selling cassettes and posters and take all of their merchandise. Right. Like he would literally put it in boxes and put it in his like car he and himself, drive off himself. Which is not how the law works. Yeah, that's truly not how that works. You cannot just do something yourself. But even instead of like calling the cops to to enforce something, he calls the FBI. And he's like, I need help prosecuting merchandisers. Right. If I'm on the receiving end of that FBI call, I'm like, we're looking for like murderers. Right. And- we have like the America's 10 most wanted <laughs> serial killers of all time. And you're over here like, hey, get this VHS tape. What the hell, guys? Right. Um, and I love it. So he's quoted as saying in in reaction to this, he was approached about this, right? It just enrages me to know that these people are trying to get rich quick over my daughter's death. They're vultures. Right. And to me, I'm like pretty vicious and controlling over her stuff i mean i don't know i mean and even when he is involved he's super litigious like i guess 20 years ago abe started to write a book about her Mm -hmm. and so he wanted to work with a famous writer found this guy who was super excited was talking to like fans and doing all this great research and i guess he submitted a first draft to abe and abe felt like he was kind of making Selena seem like magical or like she had healing <laughs> like powers. Like literally like powers. Yeah. And he's a Jehovah's Witness, right? So he's like, no, shut it down. He fucking lost it. He lost it. He was like, we yeah. don't believe in stuff like that. He legit brought his lawyer in, of course, because his lawyer just must be on his speed dial. Right. And he's like, he basically said if the guy continued to write the book, the family would sue the writer. So the writer was like, okay, I'm, I'm out. Like I'm, I'm dropping I'm out. I'm really then. bummed. You know, I like Harry Potter. So if that would have had some cool magic in it, I would have loved to have read it. But whatever. I'm I guess sure we'll never know. Great. And I mean, even recently, he like sued a company for using Selena's image on car fresheners um, and then separately sued like a brewery in Houston that was literally just going to sponsor like a movie night and art fair. That probably was going to make billions. So it's no wonder he wanted to get a cut of that. Crazy. I mean, this guy, he likes a good lawsuit. Yeah. Um, and he's not the only one, right? Uh, big Brother AB has also unfortunately been involved in a, in a couple of various legal battles. Apparently, he owns thousands of dollars to his former band members and hasn't been paying child support. So a little shady. There's some there's some stuff going on with his family. All right. Well, fast forward to today, right? right. Um, the tables are now completely turned against Abe, and somebody is suing him what, in what a was? complete you know turn of events. Yeah. So, like we said before, Matasuma Esparza, the producer who made the Selena movie, is now suing Abe 
um, for excluding Esparza from the Netflix series. But, you know, like a super brief yeah, background who, on who Esparza who is, is. Yeah, he was he's a producer. He's an entrepreneur. Um, in the years since making the movie, he's been opening movie theaters around California. It's called the Maya Cinemas Chain. Mm-hmm. And he's been nominated for, you know, a couple other major awards and worked in some like other big projects, including the Dorothy Dandridge movie with HBO and Halle Berry. So now, Esparza is suing Abe, Suzette, who's Selena's sister, um, because they were both executive producers in the show and mm-hmm. as Netflix as well for a million dollars in damages. Um, a lot. I'll take a million dollars, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever <laughs> I can get, really. So Esparza is saying that Abe violated an agreement that they had made before the movie, basically giving exclusive life story rights to Esparza. Yeah, right. Um, and so life rights are, it's like a bundle of rights basically that protect people. And so one is defamation. And so that basically means any lies that would hurt your reputation. Another is false light, which means lies that even if they're not offensive, they could embarrass you or humiliate you or insult you, which is not applicable in every state, but it's something to know. (laughs) Invasion of privacy, which basically means like an intrusion into your business or somebody being nosy. Um, And, you know, it's probably worth knowing that people who are in the public have less ability to 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 defend a right of privacy because they're in the public eye makes sense and the last one is just the right to publicity which basically means the commercial right to use like your name and your likeness and make money off of who you are like the like the air fresheners right and so for us this comes up a lot for us right as entertainment lawyers and really the purpose of life rights deals is mostly making sure that you don't get sued. Mm-hmm. We're, we're looking for waivers and releases from people saying, you're not going to sue us when we use your name or your likeness or you in our TV show, in our movie. And it's interesting because these aren't really necessary. You don't need to have someone's okay to make a movie about you so long as you stick to the facts, right? right. Because facts are what we call in the public domain. And it just means that they're owned by everybody, right? If you want to talk about President Obama during his uh, term, anybody can write about that. No one owns that fact. It's out there in the world. And so for us, as long as we stick to the facts, you know, things like court records or videos or transcripts or news footage, stuff like that, we don't need to get people's okay to do it. But this is where things get murky because sometimes facts are disputed, right? right? What one person says versus what another person says happened can oftentimes be unclear. And so us as studios or you know whoever a filmmaker would want to make sure we cover off Mm -hmm. um and it's interesting because there have been unauthorized books or series and by unauthorized i mean abe hasn't given his blessing Mm -hmm. but he hasn't necessarily sued all of them and that makes me think they probably he probably had a weak claim because they stuck to the facts like i think one was by a reporter who had talked to selena often and was very much aware of her life and so she said that she clung strictly to what happened Mm -hmm. um and just a one quick note here too that certain rights will die with the person meaning lawsuits can't be brought on their behalf after their death namely defamation and privacy right it makes sense so abe can't bring a suit uh defamation or privacy on selena's behalf but he can if they talk about him him, in that way right and he's so closely involved with her life it probably would be hard to talk about her without him right so that's where things get a little blurry 
Well, and so the whole purpose of like kind of going over these life rights as a reminder is just to say that so, you know, Esparza, the producer, is basically saying that he was given all of these life rights for Selena, that they had a deal so that he could exclusively make any like audiovisual works about her. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really just sounds a little bitter for me because he's saying he was blocked out of participating with Netflix and that he had his own TV idea in the 90s, but that it never happened. Mm -hmm. And so he's suing for a breach of this contract that was allegedly between the Quintanilla family and, um, and Esparza and he said it was informal but then maybe formalized at some point but he's kind of all over the place because I found this article like from 1995 where in the LA Times he says he never even sought the life rights to her story even Mm -hmm. though he made the movie so I'm like how did you not seek them but now you're saying that they're exclusively yours like those things don't align yeah it's so weird the movie came out in 97 and he's saying oh I didn't get it in 95 but I got it in 98 why would you get the life rights after you make the movie yeah that makes no sense um, plus the fact that Chris and, and Abe are now fighting over this estate agreement makes me think, why would, why would Abe have given any rights away to, he's not even willing to give it to her husband. He's not right. going to give it to some third party producer. Right. And just really quickly also want to talk about how rights deals really typically work with in the entertainment industry. So typically when we are producing something, we're going to want to secure what we call the underlying rights to make our TV show or our movie. And that just means like if we're making a series about a book, we're going to want to secure the rights to the book to make our TV show. Um, And typically the studio is able to get everything, Mm -hmm. right? We can make a TV show, a movie, we can merchandise, we can do anything we want. But because Abe was so is so protective, it makes me think that he probably gave very limited rights here, For right? Sure. Because yeah. he's still controlling all this stuff. He probably only let them make the movie and only the movie. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if he gave them anything else, which is really atypical. But for really competitive projects, we'll agree to it because it's competitive. Right. There's so much allure, and we just want to make it. Yeah. Well, so we'll see what happens. I mean, as far as is basically saying that there was some agreement between them where he did have some of those life rights exclusively. So. You know, it'll all kind of play itself out. But then on the other side of this, Esparza, like we said, is also suing Netflix. And he's saying that they disregarded the agreement between the Quintanilla family and Esparza by even making the show, which would effectively amount to what we call tortious interference. Fancy. And so that means one person like is intentionally damaging somebody else's contract or business relationship, causing some kind of like financial or economic harm. So basically he's saying, Netflix, you... You purposefully disregarded my agreement. You cut me out. Shame on you. Now you owe me money. Yeah. I mean, I'm really, I'm actually really curious to see where this goes. Um, And, you know, I'm sure it'll continue to unfold over this next year. I guess the moral of the story is, you know, Abe is clearly not a supporter of the First Amendment. He doesn't give a (laughs) shit about anybody talking about facts. He's going to sue you. Mm -hmm. Um, And he loves a good lawsuit. So he'll scare some people off. Which is easier to do when you have a lot of money, right? Even if you don't necessarily have all the merit in the world meaning like your claim has a huge likelihood of success that alone knowing that you're litigious which you know you're apt to sue is going to scare people away right. no one's going to want to touch it yeah they're too scared for sure and i mean so where things stand now right netflix has already announced that they're going to do part two of the series and they've given the premiere date um like i said we 25 million people watched it so you know they're looking at possibly equally successful or maybe even more successful part of the series mm-hmm. um abe is writing a new book about selena not his no longer no longer suing the first writer right 81 years old writing <laughs> his book listen <laughs> um and people are petitioning to have the original movie added to the national film registry which would be kind of cool like i think 
I defer to you, but I don't think that there's enough <laughs> Latino representation in Hollywood. I more than welcome allies to also advocate the fact that we don't have enough Latino representation in Hollywood. So this would be amazing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. What do you think about sentencing in prison this time? Okay. I think Esparza has to go to okay. prison. He just has to. Okay. I mean, I don't really buy it. I think he just wants in on the deal. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put him in for what, like, 10 years maybe he'll learn his lesson that's what i'm thinking can we spice it up and say that he has to share a cell with yolanda yolanda's up for parole in 2025 are you saying that you want her to go back in i mean we can at least get a good a good what four-year crossover between the two you know what i'm gonna take you a step further okay i'm gonna say yolanda's there forever okay not up for parole. done happy with that she's lucky she's even she's probably is safer in prison actually like literally in prison yeah i want to add one more thing i actually want abe to go to prison for a little bit um i want him to share a cell with chris jenner wow and so that and until they learn how to share deadly duo until they learn how to share look i you know we don't really believe in the prison system but here i think we do because they need to learn some lessons they got to share their stuff with the world well, Christian, or watch out, Abe. Abe Cantonia might be sharing a cell with you sometime soon. <laughs> All right. So let's give our listeners some really great advice here, right? I mean, I, we're big professionals. Yeah. What, what <laughs> wisdom do we want to impart with them before we leave? I would say put your agreements on paper. Okay. Good one. Get a lawyer, Makes probably, sense. to review said agreement. Yep. And then last, don't fuck with the Cantonias because Abe will sue you. Very true. Abe, we're just, we love you, actually. (laughs) Don't sue us. Um, And I'm going to say, if you're going to lie, make it believable so that it'll hold up in court. And just don't sign agreements when you're really sad. (laughs) That's tough. Okay, fine. Fair. Look, I'm just trying to warn people. All right. So thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Legally Judgy. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk as much as we love the sound of our own voices. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Also, please feel free to connect with us on our socials at Legally Judgy. Until next time, bye.